on your side. Caitlin Clark has added another deal to her NIL portfolio. The Hawkeyes star becoming the fourth college athlete to sign with Gatorade. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes expressed regret for his post-game actions and comments about the officiating on Sunday, saying you just can't do that. Shoei Otani's 10-year, $700 million contract with the Dodgers reportedly pays $2 million a year, with the rest deferred to a 10-year period beginning in 2034. I'm Doug Thompson. For the win from the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, where every Tuesday get two for one on the best wings in town. Score! This is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Winter is upon us. Winter sports are upon us. The Missouri Valley Conference is off and running. Drake's off to a terrific start. Boy, big win in Las Vegas over Nevada, who was previously unbeaten on uh, Saturday night. And Drake took a two and beat him by 19. Adam Ebenecker joins us weekly starting in January to talk about the Valley Conference. And he gives us a little tease, a little preview of what's to come. He's already been working a bunch of games for both Mediacom. And you were on the road at Valpo, if I recall, Adam Ebenecker. Good to catch up with you again. How are you? Ken, good to hear your voice. I'm uh, I'm doing great. You're right. You uh, you caught that. I was at Belpo. Good to know. You're always watching. Hell yeah, always listening. I'll uh, I'll stay on my best behavior. <laughs> we appreciate that. Well, Drake has been. You know what I really appreciate so far about this team, Adam. Uh, it's it, night out and night out. It doesn't always have to be Tucker DeVries. Look, he's still the best player on the team. But when he's he's not getting his, perhaps, or he's willing to defer to somebody else. Somebody else on this team is picking up. The slack and uh, uh, doing what he does most nights. Uh, that that's a great yeah, sign. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously when you think about that, right? You knew going into the year, Tucker DeVries was going to be the the focal point of this Drake team, the Drake offense, etc. And, and you think about the year he had last year as the player of the year in the league. He averaged about nineteen a game, six rebounds, and he was really a, a finisher. Right? He was a guy that was going to get at the end of the possession or when the ball hit him, he was expected to score. Well, that's changed a little bit this year, 10 games in. He has to be more of a creator, which can be both facilitating and finishing. But when you think about it, you know, it feels like, well, maybe he's not scoring as much as he did last year. Last year he was 18.6 points a game. This year he's at 19. (laughs) So he's actually increased his scoring, and his rebounds went from 5.7 to 7. The other thing, when you look at his overall numbers, his assists have doubled. So he was at 1.8 last year. Now he's at 3.4. I know for math people out there, that's not quite double, but it's close enough, right? And so I think what I've loved about watching him play, yes, he's really good on the offensive end. I think he's doing more defensively, and I think he's made very, very positive strides. Tucker DeBreeze has just overall as a leader. When things aren't going well for him, he's still finding ways to help his team. That is really the testament of a great player. Coming into the season, we obviously knew about Tucker DeVries. We figured Darnell Brody's going to be doing his thing. And, and some of the guys with veteran experience and right that we've seen a little bit, Ferguson, Northweather, at least, had got some minutes. But the biggest surprise to me has been Kevin, Kevin Overton, Without the way that this young man has hit the ground running. Now, he's not your traditional freshman. He did have a gap year, if you will, playing at Sunrise. But this young man from Oklahoma City has come in 
and has been incredible for them. How about the find? And kind of looking through his recruiting profile, you know, had some mid-majors after him. North Texas, a good team. It's made the tournament a bunch. But, boy, for this kid, it feels like a lot of people missed on what we've seen from Kevin Overton. Yeah, you know, one of my favorite things about him, Trent, and you did a good job kind of just giving the overview. One of my favorite things about watching Kevin Overton play is he keeps it simple. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what you see is you see freshmen come in, especially highly touted freshmen, and they're used to making all the, like in baseball, they're used to making all the, the diving plays. But they don't always field grounders the way they need to. Kevin Overton's doing a great job of fielding almost every grounder. And I think part of it is, it's it's his he's got good size at six foot five, but he's got a great spirit too. So I think initially he got onto campus and part of what he wanted to do was guard the best player on the other team, the best perimeter player. And so we've seen him do that and pick up some good defensive assignments, navigating through screens and, and we've already seen growth on the defensive side. But it's the it's the steadiness and confidence that we've seen from him on the offensive end that's really been a big punch and, and part of what it's meant is you know, he's one of the leaders in minutes on this team. Obviously, Tucker DeVries, number one. But last two games, Kevin Overton played 36 minutes. Why? Because he's so important to have on the floor with his ability to get out in transition and his ability just to knock down shots in the half court. You go back to that St. Louis game when Drake's down, what, 16, 18 points at halftime. It was really Kevin Overton and Atten Wright in the second half. Overton getting out in transition that gave Drake that little spurt at the beginning of the second half to get them in a position where they could be believe enough, honestly, in themselves to win that game. And his 21 points were a big part of that. I, th- I think he's had a, a fantastic freshman year. And my, my push to him, my advice, my guidance, keep fielding those grounders. Keep it really simple because it's serving him really well. And correct me if I'm wrong, does he really have a seven-foot wingspan? Really? You know, I haven't went out uh, taking a tape measure to him. Uh, finger to fingertip, but uh, you know he does. He does have long arms. Yeah, part of what you see. You know, when you when you hear he's six five, six five for a basketball player is kind of shrug your shoulders. They're all that tall, right? right yeah. But uh, he plays bigger than his size, and you see that with his ability to get deflections, his ability to finish at the mm-hmm. rim, and rebounding. He's done a pretty good job just being a steady rebounder for this group. Hmm. I'm not sure how uh, uh, size of a wingspan Darnell Brody has, but <laughs> it's big enough. What a start he's off to. We've really watched him. I mean, he's been there a long time. I get that. Uh, but the, the, the progression that he's made as he's yeah. made his way to the now this final year of his career, boy, he's putting it all together so far, isn't he? Yeah, you know, I, I think when you look at Darnell Brody, uh, obviously, as to your point, Ken, his size stands out, right? And that go, kind of goes without saying. And, and it means that he has an advantage in almost every game he plays in. Now, part of size sometimes means he's at a disadvantage as well, especially as we talk defensively, pick and roll coverage, et cetera. But I, I think his level of, and we talked about it with Tucker as well, but his level of steadiness has just increased this year. Uh, Darnell Brody is more predictable. And I say that as a really, really good thing because you know you're probably going to get seven and a half, eight rebounds a game. You know you're probably going to get that 12 to 14 point threshold. And, and because of that, knowing you're going to get that scoring inside, especially as you have more variables of new guys coming into the team, it just, as a, as a coaching staff and as a team, it gives you something you know you can rely on. And think about it this way. So we've seen him have great games in a great uniform. This is the first year that he's averaging over 10 points a game. 
So he has been under 10 points per game throughout the rest of his career, three years as a starter, now entering his fourth year as a starter. This is the first time Mm. we've seen him over 10 points a game. And and part of it at 12.3 right now, a big part of that is just the steadiness. He doesn't have as many two-point games, even though he's coming off a game where he only scored two points. Uh, he's he's having nine and eleven point games. Previously to the game against Nevada, his season low was with nine. So he's just chipping in more consistently, which is great to see. And what you what you want out of your experienced guy? Important over the weekend, going out to Vegas, getting that win against a Nevada team. Well, anytime you can beat Steve Alford, it's a great thing in my book. But <laughs> they were undefeated at the time. They go out there, dominate the game, a couple of big runs in the second yeah. half as they pulled away. But it starts making you believe. We know what winning Arch Madness obviously does. It's the automatic ticket. However, do the Bulldogs have a chance to put together a resume good enough to be an at-large team in this year's MVC? I mean, I think the answer is is yes. A lot of variables, Trent, of course, as you know, that go along with that, as you mentioned. But to me, there's there's two key things that make that say yes. One is Drake taking care of business. Control what you can control, right? So sitting at 8-1, and one, there was a disappointing game against Stephen F. Austin. But otherwise... They are 1-0 and in quad two, which was that win against Nevada, 4-1 and in quad three. So, th- so far, <clears throat> and I, I actually think those numbers are going to get better as the season moves along with some of the teams they've played. Drake's played a good schedule, not a great schedule, but a good schedule, and they've, well, they've won games, and most of them convincingly, right? So that's number one, you take care of what's in front of you. The second part that makes this year different than what we've seen the last few years is the strength of the league. The MVC right now has been yo-yoing between the eighth and ninth best conference. And, and a big part of that, Indiana State is really stinking good. I think Indiana State right now, their net, I think, is 12th, which is crazy. Wow. And they're playing as good as any team that I've watched in this league in a long time. Like, they kind of remind me of the Wichita teams from, what, seven, eight, nine years ago. Just the way they play and the pace and the physicality, I think, is really, really strong. Yes, Indiana State's been really good, but I think what's different for the Valley right now, the teams that have traditionally been at the bottom of the league are much, much better, and they're picking up wins as well. So you don't see that the team with the least amount of wins is Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa was picked preseason number two in the league, and a big part of that, the reason Northern Iowa only has three wins, they've played one of the hardest schedules in the country. And so I think when you look at teams like UIC, and you see them sitting at six and three. You look at teams like Evansville, who was at the bottom of the league last year and is at seven to two, seven and two. Rising tides lift all boats, right? So Drake and Indiana State are getting the benefit of that rising tide that maybe they're in line if they take care of business and sit at the top of the league. Maybe they're in line for a potential at large come March. So you mentioned uh, Northern Iowa. Adam. What, what's going on in Cedar Falls? Zero and two in the Valley, three and seven overall. Schedule being what it is, um, and, and you're right. Pick second in the league. I mean, I remember Trent and I when we were kind of transitioning or bringing up basketball uh, in October into early November. We thought that you know there's legitimately two teams in the Valley from the state of Iowa that could come down to these two. Drake's holding up their end of the bargain. Can the Panthers uh, turn it around? Yeah, I mean, I, I think short answer is yes. And part of it is, you know, Ben Jacobson, it feels like he's been in Cedar Falls for, what is it, is it 49 years now? What is it? I mean, he's at, he's at 15 to 20 years in Cedar Falls, right? And so part of, part of what that allows for is we have the track record of how his teams get better every year throughout the year. So no question as we get into Valley play, this is a team 
that's not going to be a pushover. It's a team nobody's want to, going to want to play. But when you when you break down their schedule a little bit, they do have they have really what I would call one loss that was a really bad loss, and that was the loss at home against Belmont, the first in conference game where they lost by twenty and and just kind of laid an egg. But when you look at the rest of the schedule, first game at North Texas, lost by six, went to UCF and USF, excuse me, and lost by nine. Then played North Carolina. They were ahead at halftime mm-hmm. and ended up losing by 20. Just didn't have enough for the Tar Heels. Gave a game away against Texas Tech. Come back, beat Stanford by 20. Lose to at Evansville by two. And then the loss at Toledo by four, coming off their most recent game, where they were ahead with four minutes to go. Most of these games, they've just been, they've been right there. And the 50-50 balls at the end of the game haven't went their way. Some of that is... You know, they, they're really reliant on Titan Anderson. Titan Anderson's had a good year, but they are so reliant on him to give some strength, versatility, and size on the interior. And Bowen Bourne has went from a guy last year that was at 18 a game. Right now he's at 13. Mm-hmm. He just isn't quite himself shooting the basketball. And in all these non-conference games, these hotly contested games, him making or missing one shot sometimes is the difference. Uh, especially as we come down the stretch. That's the way it was against Toledo. So I think this group is going to put it together a little. They're very guard-heavy, but uh, no doubt Ben Jacobson's going to find a way to, to help get this team right as, as we continue to move through the year. It's just so weird to see a UNI team struggle as much defensively as they had. Team shooting almost 39% from three. There's nothing you can do about this, but they're shooting 81.4% from the free throw line against the Panthers. Uh, that's 362nd in the country. Jeez. No defense you can do at that free throw line. Maybe you need to do yeah. a little jaw as those guys are stepping up there, right, Adam? Right. Right, you got to get the guys on the end of the bench uh, <laughs> trying to yell some different things. Uh, yeah, I, I had not seen that stat, Trent. Man, that is, uh, you know, back to like when you're in one or two score games, mm-hmm. Bowen Bourne misses one shot and a team shoots 80% from the line rather than 70%, there's your five-point swing, right? So some of that makes such a big difference, even though the eye test says it's not going well. A couple of those games could have swung either way. So I, I think for the Panther faithful like, let's let's calm down a little bit. Let's let's make sure slow and steady wins the race, right? Uh, I think this team is that that corner is going to turn. Uh, but you know, I, I I think as you look at this group, there's some growth that you need, you need to see out of uh, out of a few of those players as well. You mentioned Indiana State, who's putting them together a very good resume. They'll get another opportunity later this month as they get Michigan State. But I want to ask you a little bit about Josh Shirts, a guy that. Comes in a couple of years ago after what Tyreek Key graduates. All right, they're going to the D2 ranks. How's this going to work out? He had a ton of success at the D2 level at Lincoln Memorial, and he's continuing to hear at Indiana State. Kind of what, what's kind of the, I don't know, the look of Indiana State? When you think of the way that he has built this basketball team, what do you think about when you look at this Sycamore squad? Yeah, I mean, I think so. They're one of my favorite teams to watch because I love, I love their pace and just their purposefulness, and, and part of what I mean by that. So they have a couple guards in Isaiah Swope, who's uh, leading the league in scoring, and Julian Larry. And not only can both of them, they're quick, they can create, they can get by on offense, on offense but they're both going to pick you up full court defensively as well. Mm-hmm. So they're bringing like just a tenacity and an intensity to the game from the start. The other thing they have is running there. So Josh Schertz on offense doesn't like to run a lot of sets. He runs a lot of just general motion offense. And so sometimes it takes a couple years for guys to really adjust to how to know where to go and what to do. 
What that means, though, is because it's less predictable, it's harder to guard. And what they have on their team that I think is so fun to watch, they have three guys averaging more than three and a half assists a game. What that tells me is they have three guys that not only are really good passers, but they're unselfish and they're looking for their teammates. And two of those guys, Robbie Avila, who's six foot ten, is averaging 16 a game. He can shoot it from three. He can facilitate as well. He's averaging, in just 28 minutes, he's averaging 3.8 assists per game. That's not something you usually see out of a 6'10 guy. Their leading assist guy, Xavier Bledson, is a guy that comes off the bench, and he's just strong and thick, almost Draymond Green-esque in his overall role. And so when you look at that, and you have guys that are willing shares, you have guards that get after you, and you're playing general motion, which means you're a little more unpredictable, not only is that a lot to react to as, as an opponent, but it makes it really, really stinking fun to watch and no doubt a big cornerstone of Josh Schertz and his background of success. Indiana State at the Knapp Center on the 10th of January, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock tip. Adam, thanks for doing this. Uh, looking forward to doing it on a weekly basis. Uh, enjoy these conversations as always. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and your family, Adam, and we'll talk in January. Appreciate your willingness to do this for us. Good to talk to you, Adam. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Happy holidays. Thank you. Good to hear from you. Adam Emmenecker, as we catch up on the Valley and the Drake Bulldogs, and we'll do it weekly on Tuesdays. And I believe Heather and Sean have Fridays Fridays locked in Adam Emmenecker to preview what's coming up in the Valley on Fridays. We will take a timeout. As Trent mentioned, coined it a potpourri Tuesday. (laughs) We're all over the place. Baseball, Missouri Valley Conference basketball. How about a little golf? Matt Rudy from Golf Digest joins us when we come back. It's Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 Dish and Supply. Wondering if your roof is showing signs of damage or aging? Call the trusted team at Wolf Roofing, like I did, to have them assess your roof. They're a local company with 30 years of experience. After a thorough inspection, they'll provide you with an honest, free estimate, help you choose the best product for your home and budget, then get your project done in one day. Wolf Roofing knows your home is one of your greatest investments. Let them take care of it for you. Call 515 225 8866 for a free estimate or go online. Awesome. Maybe you're thinking about franchising your business or purchasing a franchise. There's an experienced and trustworthy franchise lawyer right in your backyard. Don't waste your time or money searching for a lawyer out of state when Rush Niggett is here and ready to help your business. Hi, I'm Rush. I've specialized in business and franchise law for the past 25 years. I don't just want to be your lawyer. I want your business to succeed as much as you do. Your business needs Rush. Visit his award-winning blog at rushonbusiness.com. It's good to have Rush on. Enjoy. Hi, Miller and Welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. It's got our friend Matt Rudy in here, Golf Digest. Normally... Uh, kind of out of season for us to talk to Matt Rudy, but uh, the John Rom news. Uh, when you think about what he said about the uh, about the uh, live golf, as uh, recently as a couple of months ago, to where he was, I guess money does change opinions. You get to that. I guess everybody's got a price. Matt is where I'm going, and apparently John's Rom, John Rom was what three hundred million or what six hundred was huge, whatever <laughs> it was. Um, this surprised me. I did not think John Rom would jump. Did you? Well, I, I mean, I think if you listen to some of the comments, where I mean, he actually used the word 
fealty, which I haven't heard since my undergraduate days at Michigan State, where he's pledging his fealty to to the PGA Tour. Uh, I think a couple issues have arisen, though, in that you know when the when the tour was rallying people, rallying players to to stick it out and stay. You know they they were framing the the Saudi you know investment fund and and the live folks as you know being this terrible source of money that nobody would want to align themselves with. But then of course they announced that they are going to look look for a way to make a deal with with the with the live tour. So so if you're a player. And you've heard all you've heard is that you shouldn't be, you know, getting in bed with uh, with Live, and then all of a sudden your organization says, "All right, I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get in bed with Live." One, you know, that That's sort of fair. takes away one of the the main the main talking points. So that part doesn't surprise me. And also, I think there's 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 part of it where if if you look at the tea leaves and think that this is all going to come together at some point in a year or two years or three years. You might as well take the money, mm-hmm. and then when it comes back together again, you've got the money and you're back playing in, in uh, the, you know, the, the events you want to play in. Which surprised me with Tony Finau's announcement yesterday. Why wouldn't he? I mean, it wasn't going to get $300 million, I wouldn't think. But why did he turn it down seemingly at the last minute? Because the rumors were that he's, you know, any hour now going to announce that he's joining Liv, and yet he went the other way. Well, I, I don't think it's any different than Caitlin Clark signing a deal with Gatorade. You know, I, I, I think all of this, you know, all of these folks have agents and all these folks have are, are, are business people and they use leverage in positive ways and negative ways in every different way, just like any other negotiation. So I think if you're Tony Finau's sponsors, if you're the PGA Tour, if you're, if you're any interested party in how all this is going down, all those conversations are happening. And when, you, when you get to John Rahm money, there's not a lot you could say if it's 300 or 400 million dollars. I mean, there's just no other source of money that's going to come close to that. So, you know, if Tony Finau's number is 50 million or 75 million or whatever number you want to pick, there's other considerations that go into it. And I, and I think everybody's making the best deal they can cut. And I don't, I mean, to me, that's the least surprising part of it. Every one of those players is a mercenary because they've been told as professional golfers that's what you have to be. It's, it's you know, you make your own money, nothing's guaranteed, you better go out and earn it. And, that's, and I think that's what they're doing. John Rahm was very much against Liv. Uh, did not like the 54-hole component and had very pointed comments towards it. The money's incredible. But what else is here? Going back to what it looked like a deal was going to be made with the the Saudis and with the PGA Tour, that still has not come to fruition. How did we get to this point? Because John Rahm did not certainly see seem at the forefront to be a player that was going to make this kind of jump. Well, I think the the first part of that conversation is when you win majors, you can play in the events that are the most important to you for the next five years. In the case of the Masters, you can play in it forever. And so, so he can play in those events no matter what tour he's on. So that's that's number one. And number two, the the rumblings you hear are the are the DP World Tour, you know, making arrangements with players so that even if you're on the Live Tour, you can do essentially what Brooks Koepka did last year or this past Ryder Cup and play for the American Ryder Cup team anyway. So if John Rahm can play on you know on the Ryder Cup team, if he can play in majors, you know that that takes care of probably. 5% of the golf he wants to play. And if it's important to him to play in the Spanish Open, if it's important to him to play in you know, some other event around the world, I suspect that he's going to be able to play in most of the events that he wants to play in. And from also also from what I hear, they're considering format changes for, with Liv. At, you know, that's part of the, 
negotiations with Rom too. So I'm sure part of that has to do with wanting to get world ranking points. So if you if you change your events to four day events, then yeah. it makes your new high profile guy happier, and it has this other side benefit. I mean that that's all in play, but it wouldn't surprise me either if a week from now the tour and Liv come together and say, hey, you know. We've decided uh, if we've figured out what we want to do, and we're going to work together. And you know, because these are all of these things too are are shots fired in the negotiating war between the tour and Liv. You know, the taking Rom is mm-hmm. a, I think is Liv saying, hey, well, you know, if you think you're going to go negotiate with three or four other different big funds to to come in, we're still here, and you better pay attention to what we're doing. And, and that, that certainly had it certainly had the intended effect. Will you fall off your chair if Rory McIlroy jumped? No, I wouldn't fall off my chair if anybody mm-hmm. jumped because, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I guess it's an exaggeration to say life-altering money because all those folks right, have right. Life, life-altering money now. But I think what they're all saying is if, if you're not going to stand up for something on principle, meaning the PGA Tour, right. and you're, or if you're, if you're asking me to stand with you on principle and there's no longer a principle, you know, and all of, and all of this becomes muddled together. If they do make a make a deal, for example, Rory's going to be playing for for PIF money next year anyway. So so then it just becomes a business decision. I mean, should I take more of it now or just wait till it gets sifted through the PGA Tour? You know, a year from now. So you know, you you basically just you've made it for the players strictly a financial decision and and. You know, like I said, ever since Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus started the PGA Tour, it's only ever been about making this a financial decision. So to expect that those players are going to behave any differently would be naive, I think. I agree. The PIF and the PGA Tour have agreed to drop litigation, but the deadline is December 31st. Is there any hope, any chance that this thing actually gets done and we have this figured out by the end of the month? Uh, Well, whether they have it figured out or what they announce by the end of the month, I think are two different things because I think there's a lot of regulatory stuff that has to get started out too. Uh, you know, the, the the U.S. government is going to look at it, and I and I do think there's a fundamental worry for the PIF how much they're going to have to reveal of you know financial information that kind of thing for any kind of uh, and the, the discovery, for example, in a lawsuit. The biggest fear for for the PIF folks was to have to to talk about things that they didn't want to talk about. So I think all of those things probably take longer to sort out than actually getting to a boilerplate deal. But uh, I, I think that for the two, for the PGA Tour, they don't have the financial ammunition to fight a long-term battle against Liv. So whether that means taking on another high-dollar partner or making a deal, something is going to have to happen here sooner rather than later. Hmm. Uh, in our final few minutes here with you, Matt Rudy, Matt Rudy from Golf Digest, uh, one of the, prior to the John Rom news, there was some news, I believe Golf Digest actually broke it, was the fact that uh, the golf ball is going to change and the game of golf is going to try and reel in some of these long drivers out on tour. <laughs> and eventually, I guess it's going to get down everybody's uh, golf ball is going to, you know, maybe give up some yardage. How big, um, how much pushback was there from the tour and... And will this affect us, weekend amateur duffers? Uh, there's a tremendous amount of pushback from the tour and a tremendous amount of pushback from manufacturers. I don't think any of those folks want it. I think they want, and you know, the the perception of they want the perception of the sport to be explosive and powerful and dominant at the top end. And I and I get all that. And I also understand 
the the need to make certain courses you know not be obsolete where i wonder and kind of get off the bus is do we have to do something that punishes you know the average weekend player that's swinging 85 miles an hour with the driver um if if what i mean if, if you ask the usga they say the average hacker will only experience you know two to three yards loss with the, with a driver and so then as you go down through the bag it'll be really not particularly noticeable i mean if that's true i, I don't think that's a huge deal and as my compatriots at golf digest who work in the equipment realm say the vast majority of players don't even go get optimized for the gear they have now you know they don't they don't get fit you know they don't have the right shaft in their driver all that different stuff so i think you could fix the shortcomings of the ball pretty quickly if you decided to optimize your clubs but broadly i think it's you know the golf golf is on a run right now it's more popular there's more people playing top golf style golf you know doing things in green grass plus doing things at at these off you know off non-green grass kind of courses and there's this great momentum for the sport it's not a great storyline when the two things you're talking about are you know millionaires arguing with billionaires when it comes to you know professional golf and then the, the the governing body of the sport talking about how they're going to make the equipment less easy for average players to use. Those are two storylines, I think, that are not winners for the average player. Matt, one final thing for you off the golf course. Uh, you're going to be making your way to a basketball arena and watching Caitlin Clark and the Hawkeyes mm. uh, coming up here I, in the I, coming weeks. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm actually happy to report that my middle daughter is a Caitlin Clark fan and has all kinds of gear. Nice. Even though we're a Spartan family yeah, here, yeah, yeah. She, she roots for Iowa women's, women's basketball. And so the closest game Caitlin Clark is playing to us in Connecticut is down in Baltimore. So we're going to take the train down there and watch that game. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, too. I covered basketball at Sports Illustrated before I was a golf person. I didn't know that. A hundred years ago. I was going to say. So I, love, yeah. I love sitting close and, and you know talking about strategy and actually seeing the, the chess match that goes on on the floor and it's going to be a lot of fun she's obviously exciting to watch and we're really looking forward to that trip and i say that as an unabashed spartan fan uh good stuff uh well uh that didn't go well football wise Izzo squad not after the best start but tom Izzo in march we know how that usually turns around we'll see if it does hey uh good to catch up with you matt rudy appreciate you coming on happy holidays to you and your family enjoy the game uh and we'll talk in april if not before thank you buddy <laughs> All right, talk to you guys later. Yeah, good to talk to you. Matt Rudy, Golf Digest, as we catch up with our buddy Matt Rudy. Good for him going down there. What game was when? When is that game? Uh, it's the Maryland game. That is, uh, it is Saturday, February 3rd nice. in that's College Super Park. Bowl weekend or is that the weekend? I think weekend before. I think it's the off weekend. Off weekend? Gotcha. I believe so. And has not been announced. Either a 4.30 or 7 o'clock tip on Big Fox. On Big Fox. Big Fox. How about that? Who has the Super Bowl? CBS? Maybe. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I think CBS does. Uh, anyways, Mr. Monday Night, last night. Another win. Another win. It's just like clockwork. It is. Just like clockwork. Pretty, pretty incredible run. Eight of his last nine? Mm. It's an annuity is what it is. <laughs> just making money. Uh, it's not the shiniest schedule, but if you like no. college basketball, Saturday. Have you seen Saturday Slate? Well, you better have your peacock all polished up. Oh, no. Number one versus number two in some metrics, Arizona against Purdue. That's on Peacock? Peacock. Catch it on the cock. You think that's a tagline they're going to use? I was going to say, I don't know if that one passed. No? All right. (laughs) It might have hit the cutting room floor. Uh, Well, hey, 
I'm no ad wizard over here. Uh, we'll take a timeout. She certainly can pick games. He can do a bunch of those when we come back. Some hockey involved tonight. I am all ears. Well, it's uh, 12.45 coming up on that. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3. If you have a low interest rate on your property and a lower tolerance for tenants, then you have two choices. Sell it and say goodbye to a great investment or keep it. Hold on to that rate and let the professional landlords at Renner's Warehouse manage it for you. Why hire Renner's Warehouse? Because we free you to do the things you love, like take a vacation, have dinner with your family, or acquire more properties to achieve more financial independence. You already know that renting delivers cash flow, appreciation, and tax benefits. Renter's Warehouse also frees you from finding tenants, collecting rent, and handling those annoying 3 a.m. maintenance calls. The choice is yours. Sell your property, keep DIYing everything, or hire Renter's Warehouse to get the best of all worlds. You're free to cancel within 90 days and even get your management fees back. Go to Renter'sWarehouse.com today to book your free home rental price analysis or call 515-528- 44. Any monthly withdrawals or transfers. Back to Miller and Condon on KXNO and Trent's Pick of the Day. Presented by Circus Sports Iowa. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. This from uh, the NFL on CBS Twitter account, X account. Uh, the last four weeks, the highest passer rank ratings in the NFL. The top three are... Brock Purdy, number one. Dak Prescott, number three. C.J. Beathard. One of um, the hosts here at Kicks, you know, actually bought this guy's jersey last night. Bought jersey last night? Jake Browning. No. Tommy DeVito. <laughs> Tommy DeVito. John Roberts, the proud owner. Oh, that that'll that'll last. <laughs> but it's a fun time. Right it's a now. it's a great story, isn't it? It's it, not going to continue. No, the the agent and uh, right out of uh, yes. central casting and the family and the fun they're having and go for it, have a blast. Uh, I don't. I want. I hope it lets more than fifteen minutes of fame. I do. Has a little bit of Jeremy Lin. Insanity oh, feel that's to it. A really good one. That was New York too. It was. That's a really good one. Yeah, Lin Sanity. Kind of a cultural type yeah. of connection to it. I've seen Tommy DeVito play at the yeah, collegiate we, level. We, we all did, right? It wasn't very good. No, no. And all of a sudden, he's going to be a. Although last night he made some he throws. Did. He made he did. And, and ran the football effectively. Oh, Jake Browning. <clears throat> yeah, no, he's another one. Brock Purdy uh, was one thirty three. Danny, uh, Danny DeVito, Tommy DeVito, a buck nineteen. Dak Prescott, the Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl, the MVP favorite at this point, one twelve. Dak Prescott, your MVP favorite at Circa. Brock Purdy, second choice. Speaking of Circa, mm-hmm. let's make some plays on behalf of Circa. Mention the hockey. And what do you, who caught your attention? Well, a few things. So I wanted to put together a parlay, just a puck line parlay. Okay. And see what it is. Your Jets, I love their matchup tonight in San Jose. Yeah. If Late they, night, yep. you'll watch it tomorrow morning. I'll uh, watch the first period tonight. Yep. And that'll be it. Yep. Edmonton is a minus 485 favorite against the Blackhawks. They're playing really well. And Vegas is a big favorite against Calgary, who has had a bunch of issues this year. They have. So you put them all together at Circa. Three big favorites. My uh, Plus 176. And I wanted to see other places what it would be. And that was kind of a reason behind it. This is good. This is good. And this is what we talk about, why you bet with Circa is things like this. Points bet, that same 
three uh, puck parlay, if you will. Mm-hmm. 176 at Circa. Points bet, plus 154. Mm. Bet 365, plus 157. Caesars, plus 160. MGM, plus 156. Yeah, but Trent, those guys match my $25 deposit. Right, right. You make your own bonus yeah. by betting with Circa. Simple as that. It is. Speaking of Circa, the Circa Survivor last night, yeah. there was a whole bunch of Packers. Uh-huh. I mean, there was only 22 alive going into the weekend, and there were, I don't know, seven of them, I think. Seven on... Packers, one Dolphin went oh, down. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Getting this far and having the Packers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you're, it's actually worse for the guy that had the Dolphins. You're up 14 with four minutes to go. You could have hedged, though. And especially knowing that late in the game, if you would have waited till Monday Night Football, there was a hedging out. When that implied value gets down to that level, mm-hmm. there is a chance. And if there's anybody out there, there's the guy that on Thanksgiving meant to put... Did you see this story? I did. He did. The, he, put, he, he hit the wrong button. Yeah. He, he thought he was out. And his mother just died. He just put in his pick, clicked the wrong thing as he was putting his pick in, and it worked out because he took the Packers as opposed yeah. to the Lions. Is he still alive? And he's still alive in there. Jeez. There, uh, I think it's Hitman Hearn's like granddaughter was alive. She had the Packers last night. Mm. She is out. But the stories of these people, it's really cool to see too. And someday, boy, can we just get to Trent, December? Honestly, I, well, or or would you rather be knocked out in September? No, no, no because I'd make money on it. Yeah, I mean, yeah the, at the this hedging point, opportunity. You're hedging, yes, yeah, you're right. making tens of thousands Book of dollars at minimum in Las Vegas. Crushed last night. Yeah. They killed the betters. You know who they got? Did. You know who got clobbered last night? Circa, because of the hedgers mm-hmm. that came in that were still alive going into last night. They cleaned up because they hedged on their bet. They were going to either advance in Circa or take some of Circa's money. Three uh, team parlay there. I also got the UNI Panthers tonight. Going to lay the 13 and a half. Give me UMass Lowell laying 17 tonight against Long Island and Lakers hangover. Give me the Mavericks, even as banged ah. up as they are, plus four and a half at home. I like the reasoning behind it. Murph and Andy in five. The drive with Heather and Sean, three to six for Miller and Condon weekdays. 11 to one, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.